0: What are other types of deals? Well, the licensing. Licensing is a whole area that certain people like make so much money on, and it's underutilized. Welcome to the Fueling Deals Podcast, the podcast that teaches how to accelerate your business growth through all types of deals. It's time to fuel up, so buckle in with your host, Corey Kupfer. There are only two ways to grow your business, organically through sales, marketing, providing great service, etc., and inorganically through deals. Too many companies focus only on the first way, organic growth. Welcome to the podcast, which will help accelerate your business growth inorganically. My guests are a huge variety of deal makers and experts on all types of deals who have personal experience that can help you grow. Get clear, learn best practices, and avoid mistakes. We discuss everything from large, complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. This episode is a solo cast, so it will just be me. And what I wanted to do on this episode is to give you an overview of the various types of deals and also to define some terms that people get confused. So this is just intended to get you all thinking about the various types of deals that you can do. So if you're not doing deals yet, and you may have a limited conception of what deals are, this is going to open up your mind. And even if you're doing certain types of deals, this may give you some ideas on what some other types of deals that you can do. Again, no matter how big, small your company is, whichever stage of growth or uh, length of uh, time you've been in business, right? Newer companies, older companies, and also whether you have capital or not. So a lot of times when people think about deals, they think about mergers and acquisitions. And that's certainly a type of deal that can be done. Uh, The distinction between a merger and acquisition is really a legal distinction on structure. Acquisitions are the most common types of uh, deals in this area, and acquisitions can be done two ways. One is an asset acquisition, and one is an equity acquisition, which could be a, an acquisition of stock in a corporation or membership interest or partnership interest in, in, a, in, an, in an LLC or a partnership. Now, we're not going to delve deeply into each of these, but I just want to give you an overview here. Uh, So it's really where one company acquires the other, either through assets or through equity purchase. A merger, on the other hand, a true merger, is really a legal structure where two companies come together and form one company. There's often a surviving company between the two. So if I'm merging my company with your company, maybe your company will survive and mine will go away. Well, sometimes you're merging two companies into yet a third company. But, so a lot of times when you hear deals reported that they call a merger, they're really an acquisition. And when you uh, hear acquisition, occasionally they're a merger, but much more often they're acquisitions. Now, even in a merger, unless it's really a merger of two equals, which is very, very rare, from a practical point of view, even though the legal structure is a merger, there's often somebody who's a dominant, you know, uh, people whose executives are going to be continuing to really run the company uh, and have the most influence. Those deals. Uh, although they 're often done by bigger companies and certainly ones that require significant capital, the bigger complex ones uh you know are done by bigger companies i 've done plenty plenty of merger and acquisition deals and there 's plenty of smaller companies that do them they 're just they 're just on a smaller scale and some of those deals by the way can be done with capital up front uh, in whole or in part. but there are many deals where the payments all over time, whether that 's through a promissory note, you know some installment payment. Or whether it's through a, what we call an earnout, which means that it's just a uh, a percentage of uh, it could be ongoing revenue or profits, or it could be the increase in ongoing revenues and profits. And um, earnout components are not unusual components of uh, of merger deals, even when there is cash uh, and acquisition deals, even when there's cash up front. Uh, but they could also be done, you know, as the entire part of the purchase price, the entire consideration. And you see those deals on, with smaller companies where there are no cash upfront deals that are being done. Um, and you see them when there's certain strategic opportunities, and you certainly see them uh, in down economies when maybe the targets are having a tough time and are looking to you know to fold in. Uh, the other thing you see that's interesting that's uh, sometimes, in fact, very often, sort of um, put out to the public and to the clients as as a merger or, or an acquisition is what some people refer to as acquire hire. So really behind the scenes from a legal point of view, there is no merger or acquisition. You're really just hiring people. So, you know, let's say you have a uh, a group um, who uh, would be strategically beneficial to your company, whether they provide you with geographic expansion or they provide you with certain skills uh, to be able to grow uh, into a new area or maybe just in your core business, you need more talent. And uh, you... Uh, bring in the owner and some of the employees from an existing company, but you may not need to acquire them. You may just be able to hire them, especially if it's a situation where maybe that person realizes, the you know, the owner, the entrepreneur, that they're really good at what they do. You know, they're a great computer programmer or accountant or architect or uh, software designer, but they don't love running a business. Maybe they're not great at that, or they just don't like it. Certainly, uh, you know, in down economies, this comes up a lot because of course, up economies hide a lot of inefficiencies and sins, so that um, you know, in in uh, in down economies, uh, people so- sometimes realize, hey, you know, things are getting tougher. I got to make that payroll, and I want to deal with that. Um, so there's often a, a times where there's an opportunity to hire people. You may position it out to the marketplace like it's an acquisition, but behind the scenes, all you've done is it's hired a bunch of people. Maybe entered into you know employment contracts or not, and maybe put some sort of uh, incentives in place based upon either growth or percentage of, of the revenue of the existing business that those people bring in that they get, and various ways that they participate either in the existing revenue or the upside, but it's structured as a hire. And there are so many deals that are done that way. And again, those are deals that can be done by companies of various sizes. Sometimes you hear the term tuck-in. Tuck-in is really a merger or acquisition normally, or it could be an acqui-hire, uh, you know, phrases of tuck-in. A tuck-in implies that you have a bigger entity, uh, you know, uh, tucking in or buying a smaller one. And by the way, the, it's that's more, much more rela- related to the ratio. So it doesn't have to be a huge entity. You could be a relatively small company, but if it's a much smaller uh, company that you're, you're you're buying or bringing in, you know, it's often referred to as a tuck-in. But don't confuse that because really it's a merger or acquisition or an acqui-hire. Uh, other types of deals. Joint ventures. Sometimes, a lot of times you'll hear JV or joint ventures. Some people don't know what that means. There's fundamentally two types of joint ventures. One joint venture is a contractual joint venture. And the other type of joint venture is a company joint venture. So what's the difference between the two? Well, in a company joint venture, you l- literally would set up, let's say I have a company, you have a company. We're going to set up a third company, an actual entity, whether it's an LLC or a corporation or whatever it is, that we're going to jointly own. So, basically, it's a business partnership that is formed for the purposes of doing something that maybe our other two companies, you know, can do together, but we want to keep separate and we we don't want it to rerun through one of our companies or the other. We want to create a new entity to do that, that we have joint ownership in, that maybe is going to create its own enterprise value and it has it's going to have some sort of relationship with each of our companies. Um, so, that is a corporate joint venture, a company joint venture. Uh, where we set up a new company and there's ownership. Then there's a contractual joint venture, where really we're just entering into an agreement between my company and your company, company A and company B, uh, for the purposes of coming together and doing something. So maybe I'm a manufacturer and you are a marketing company or you're a distributor and we want to get together. Now, we can just do that on a contractual basis where I'm paying you on a fee-for-service you know, basis, right? There's, there's a distribution con- contract or a marketing contract. But maybe, you know, you're just not the typical marketing company. Maybe you have some strategic relationships you can introduce me to um, that will get me more clients uh, or that will bring me key employees or that maybe even will bring me some capital, you know, or other strategic partners. And so it's beyond that. And you want to benefit from the, you know, from that uh, joint venture. So we may enter into a contract where it's not just fee for services, where it's much more of of some sort of, let's say, revenue split or profit split. Or some other arrangement where we're creating a joint venture, and by the way, in those situations, we may even have a separate name for that venture, even though it would be a DBA, what we call a DBA, certificate of assumed name of one of our companies. But we're going to have separate branding on it, separate bank accounts potentially, etc. And we're going to do it contractually, and we're going to market it out uh, as a uh, you know as a separate um, uh, division at least or or vehicle that we both jointly benefit from, even though we're not doing it as a separate company. So that's joint ventures at a high level. There's also various types of you hear joint marketing agreements, joint distribution agreements. I mentioned that before. Those are various forms of joint ventures. You know, they're usually contractual arrangements um, that that are done for those purposes. And you know what's interesting is a lot of companies uh, don't take advantage of uh, of some of these things out there even with competitors, I mean, there are going to be examples on the show of people who, uh, you know, you, you think that they're, what What are they doing? They're doing deals with competitors, but it strategically makes sense for both sides. So that brings us to the concept of strategic alliance. We'll hear that a lot, you know, doing strategic alliance deals. So, you know, from a definitional point of view, a strategic alliance from a legal structuring point of view is is not, Anything separate. It's either a joint venture, or it could be, you know, whether it's contractual or or through a company, you know, or it could be some 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 sort of other contract. But the concept is that we are entering into some sort of arrangement, an alliance that provides strategic benefit to both sides. So that's a strategic alliance. Again, it's 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 really just another name for some of these other things, and it's a way that so many companies grow. Um, There's a whole other category of deals that relate to raising capital, right? So again, a lot of people think, whoa, you know, only certain, you know, high tech growth companies, fast, you know, companies, growing companies that are going to go public or be acquired are going to raise capital. And certainly if you're talking about sophisticated venture capital money, that's probably the case, right? You know, VCs are probably not, not going to invest in your local, um, you know, coffee shop uh, unless you have a plan to, you know, have multiple locations and potentially franchise or, have, you know, a nationwide uh, coffee chain. Uh, but there are also other types of investments. There's friends and family investments, which is literally what it sounds like. You're raising money from friends and family. Uh, and many companies raise money in that fashion and uh, do it in exchange for equity or or debt, because when you raise capital, you can either do some sort of debt, uh, which is basically a loan, a debt instrument of some sort, or you can do it in exchange for some sort of equity. And when I say some sort of equity, It could be various classes of equity or types of equity in your either corporation or LLC or whatever type of entity you have. And those that equity could have different rights. So we're going to be talking about some of those kind of deals on the show. Then there are angel investors, what they call angels. Who are angels? Angels range from people who are just wealthy people who sort of on the side invest, to people who are more, quote unquote, professional angels who are approaching more Be VCs, but the thing with venture capitalists is usually they're investing other people's money, whereas angels are most most often investing their own money. Um, So the deals are different with friends and family, with angels, with venture capitalists, and we'll be talking about those various types of deals. And they again apply to companies up and down the spectrum. Although keep in mind, most companies are not going to be funded outside. The majority of companies are not outside funded, but there's certainly some opportunities to fund companies or fund. Aspects of what you do, and we'll talk about that as well on the show. One of the distinctions I want to make is uh, you hear the word private equity firms, and um, even though they're sometimes used interchangeably with venture capitals, but, you know, with venture capital, venture capitalists. The true definition of a private equity firm is a, is a firm that actually acquires your entire company or at least a majority controlling interest in your company. Whereas venture capitalists are really just investors who uh, will initially often invest on in a minority ownership basis with some protections and rights that they get. So we'll be talking about those kind of deals. What are other types of deals? Well, the licensing. Licensing is a whole area that certain people like make so much money on and it's underutilized. Yes, you can license patents and inventions and that whole thing. Which uh, you know only applies to certain companies, and in a service business, uh, you're probably not going to be licensing you know any kind of patents. But people license their content, right? I know people who, you know, people think they make most of their money like either writing books or giving speeches. And we're going to have you know a couple of these people on the show. But really, the biggest way they and they're making money that way. But they're the biggest way they're making money is through licensing. They're licensing their curriculum. They're licensing their content. They're licensing other people to train. In their workshops, they're doing things online where they're they're providing licensing for online training. And the licensing business can be a great, great business. Um, Listen, you know, I don't want to get political here, but frankly, if you understand Donald Trump, people think Donald Trump is is a, um, you know, is a developer or he's a businessman. And the truth is, if you look at most of his deals, he's a licensing company. He licenses his name to be put on stuff. And, you know, we can have an opinion of him one way or the other, and how you know, some of his deals have gone bad I got bad. the point is, though, that he's made his money mainly through licensing. There are other examples which may be more palatable to some people who also have done that as well. My point, though, is it's a great business. I'll tell you why. You can, you can create a licensing company with not a lot of employees, right? You got to have great something licensed. You have that great content, right? But... If you license a brand or license content, really you're entering into the contracts for these things that you've created, right? It happens in the clothing industry all the time, right? There's, there's a great example, you know, all, all the designers, they're not sitting there manufacturing all of their own stuff. They may manufacture some stuff, have direct manufacturing agreements, but then they're licensing out their name for, you know, belts and ties and dresses and, you know, shoes and whatever. Um, and, you know, you have certain contractual rights that protect you, that create certain standards, and basically you get royalty money. Uh, it's Uh It could be a great business. And even if that's not your main business, you may have some things in your business that you can license, even on a smaller scale, to other companies. Then there's affiliate deals and referral arrangements. So there are very simple referral arrangements where, you know, companies give a percentage if you send them a client. But then, you know, especially in the online world, there are various types of affiliate deals. And uh, often those deals are as much as 50-50 in terms of the split on the revenue. Why? Because you may be the person with the particular content, but the affiliate is somebody who has an audience, but they have a following that they can put you in front of. And they're the ones who bring you the business. And very often, you know, there's a various range, but it's not unusual for those deals to be 50-50, these online affiliate deals. So that's an area that we'll be covering on the show as well, and you'll be learning about. Then there are also various types of, uh, cr- all kinds of creative deals that don't necessarily fall into various categories. I mean, you know, we're going to have somebody in the show who did a phenomenal deal, basically with a bunch of companies that do the same thing that he, that his company does around the country. And instead of having an informal uh, referral arrangement, they ended into, they created a, basically an industry association that we we work with them on. That uh, really created a whole a whole system and a, and a joint effort to, to lift all those companies and have, you know, basically splits and, and referral arrangements, standing contracts back and forth. You know, you'll hear about that. Um, there are various, I remember, I'm going to have this client on as well. We did a participation many years ago where a client had uh, raised some money through giving equity and didn't want to give more equity away. And they had a revenue stream from real estate agents that we basically gave people a piece of in exchange for their uh, investment. So there are a lot of creative ways that you can do deals as well that we'll be talking about on the show. The other category that I want to mention is is basically deals with your own employees. Now some people don't think about those as deals because you know you hire them, you pay them, etc. But I have many clients and companies, and some of them are going to be on the show that you know, entrepreneurs that we work with, and, and some some we don't work with that will be on the show. Where as opposed to choosing to sell their company, for example, they've just been less and less personally involved in the company, but it continues to throw off cash and they say, why sell it? Well, in a lot of those situations, they're doing, they're putting in place what I call attraction and and retention vehicles for their employees, right? Things that, that make sure that key executives who are running the company and letting them be freed up stay around. And those things can include things like bonus plans and profit sharing, but also private uh um phantom equity plans or phantom stock plans, equity appreciation rights or stock appreciation rights, SARs, option plans. So those various types of structures to maintain employees, I sort of put in the deal category as well because they're deals with your employees. We're gonna be talking about some of those on the show. Um we're also gonna be talking about equity structuring of companies, uh, you know, and and profits interests and And various types of classes of equity, because those are uh, things that not only do investors get sometimes, but certain of your strategic partners maybe will take some of the equity to bind the relationship. And some of your employees may get various classes of those equity uh, pieces to, uh, again, keep them around, keep them incentivized. So we'll be talking about that. We'll also delve into real estate deals, not for the purposes of everybody, everybody being a real estate investor, although some of our listeners may be, but also there are various operating companies who are in other businesses who have secured their future uh, by either buying their office situations um, or investing outside of their businesses to diversify because so, so many of us have so much of our, our wealth concentrated in our own business who have gone to diversify that into real estate, which may be related or unrelated to their core business. So we want to talk about that as well. We're going to have some people who do real estate deals on. So the message is that there are going to be so many types of deals that we'll be talking about. And trust me, there are a bunch of them that I haven't even touched on because there are various other types of deals that you can do. So what I really want to get across in this initial solo cast episode it's just that the variety of types of deals, and then you know also in every one of those deals, right, there's different ways to approach them to find people to do those deals with to how you do diligence on you know how you do the due diligence on those deals, how you structure those deals, how you value those deals and I don't want to bring all this up to say that it's so complex there's some complexity in it, but with the right team in place, you can do it, and I just want to open up your minds as entrepreneurs and as executives to the various other ways that you can be doing deals to grow, to grow your business. And if you keep listening to the show, you'll get not only the information like this, but you will hear actual experiences and stories and you know people who've been through this and, and been there and done that. So um, if you have any questions on any of this, obviously reach out. Uh, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to answer them. Listen to the podcast. You'll get many answers on these things. We'll delve deeper into all these types of deals and we want to help you grow your business. So I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you, Fueling Deals listeners, for tuning in. Remember, there's only one difference between companies that grow inorganically and those that don't. And it's unrelated to size, amount of capital, or any other factor, other than that the owners and executives of companies that do deals make a decision to do deals, and then they take action. It's time to refuel. So until next week, Corey first signing out. Thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to leave Fueling Deals a rating and review on iTunes and Google. Check out all our episodes at FuelingDeals.com to find out more resources to accelerate your business growth.